the field notes. Number 140. The one where we were talking about. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you theonarcoleptics out there. I'm David Getty. <laughs> Wake up, Jeremiah. <laughs> huh? oh, oh, hey. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Hey there, David. Hey, man. How are you? All right. How's it going? Just resting. <laughs> Just rest, <laughs> abiding. Yes. Yes. Just feeling very nice I'm, and slumbery. I'm man. doing great. I love the. <laughs> I love this theme because I'm like all about sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? We're in our PJs currently in the studio <laughs> with a nice glass of warm milk. Yeah. Singing lullabies to each other. It's great. In it's our wonderful. dinner jackets. Oh yes, dinner jacket. That's right. Well, let's make it a little bit more yeah. sophisticated. Usually Usually sleep time with me involves putting Blakely in the PJs, singing her. Christina has her on this song now. She's got the whole world. He's got the whole yeah, world. Yeah. And he, she goes through every single person in Blakely's life. She starts with little baby Blakely, and then she goes mama and daddy, even Gigi and Pappy. Oh, really? There. Awesome. Yeah. So, yep. We sing that to her, and she falls right to sleep. It's hilarious. Wow, that's cool. It is. It's so fun. <laughs> Having a baby is fun. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and it's the same way with like um, with Jesse and Shepard <laughs> yeah. because they want to pray before every meal now. You know, like yeah. we're out anywhere, and so and they're kind of mumbling, and you don't catch a whole lot. But they're like, but they're like, uh, thank you for Pappy, and thank you for Gigi, and all this. <laughs> it's awesome. And my little trucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, how you been? <clears throat> Good. It's yep. been a pretty quick week. We uh, we're yeah. we're two weeks in a row, man. Dude, we we better not make this a habit. Yeah, yeah, don't get don't get used to it. Yeah, though. exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Might get back into routine now that school's starting again and everything's slowing down. And yeah, starting back to normal. No more crazy vacations <clears throat> to the mountains. Right. For not a any, while. Not anytime soon. That's right. I'm thinking my next one is Haiti in uh, November. November. That's coming up. Yeah. So. Wow. I know it just flies by, doesn't it? It does. Man, I'd love to go with you to Haiti. That's so cool. Mm. Y'all are going to have fun. Yeah. We need to do, I think, next year, I've said this a million times, but we need to do a a, a one over Christmas break. And, like, right after Christmas, I, I'm talking, like, the day after Christmas, hopping on a plane and going to Haiti. Yeah, that'd be cool. How cool would it be for the youth, if we took some youth, to experience mm-hmm. the lavishness of Christmas morning? <laughs> And then go over to Haiti. Oh my, what a eye-opener. Yeah. And man, sit down with them that evening and just talk about what they were doing the day before. But you know what's even crueler? (laughs) To take them to Haiti first and then bring them back. (laughs) Let them open the presents. And let them open their presents. Oh man. I I did that um, 
<laughs> I did that before Thanksgiving yeah. one time. Of course, I, now we go right before Thanksgiving almost every time. Right. But it ruins your Thanksgiving, doesn't first it? first <laughs> time I did that, I was disgusted at Thanksgiving. All these people sitting around. <laughs> yes, I was like, I wanted to just vomit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, you know, the whole Black Friday thing. And I was just, Dude, oh. I watched a video today on Haiti that broke my heart. It was just a small clip, but it was showing how they're making dirt cookies, mud cookies, mm. and feeding that to kids in order to fill up their stomachs. Yeah. Like, and I watched the mother make those, and like, you, it's dirt. They're, they're playing mud, you know, mud yeah. pies, yeah. and they're feeding that to the kids, and the kids are just eating it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh my gosh. <laughs> gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Yeah, it's a sad thing. It'll break your heart, but you know what? It's a uh, it's a good thing. Too. John's birthday was yesterday. Yeah, happy birthday, yeah. Pastor John. Pastor John from Haiti. Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh he's still going at it in the mission field. Still trying to raise some funds, by the way. Yeah. Um, they're trying to get uniforms for his school that he's built. Right. And um, there's 200 kids so far, which is yeah <laughs> amazing. And it's ten dollars a kid for um that's. That's not bad uni- for, uniforms. for uniforms. I can mm-hmm. tell you how much they are over here. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So wow. that's uh, two grand that he's trying to raise. And so uh, we were able to to pick up half of that so far. Right. So they, they still need about $1,000. So if you guys are interested in donating to some school uniforms for this free, well, it's as free as the state will let them. Right. Uh, they, they have to at least charge enough to pay taxes. Right. But it's... Um, but it's virtually free, right? Which is unheard of over there. There's no such thing as a public school, really. Uh-uh. Um, there's just private schools, and it's the biggest expense that any family has. Exactly. Like ours would be the mortgage or the car payment or whatever. I imagine like ninety percent <clears throat> of of the youth in Haiti don't go to school. Uh, uh, actually, a lot of them do. Oh, really? But that's because they all like everyone sees it as this the this is the most important thing in our lives. Wow! Is to put my child. Wow! To get my child an education. Like that, it's it's a complete upside down yeah. mentality, and so you do see a lot of kids wow. uh, running around the streets in their little school uniforms, and so the, yeah, there are a lot of them go to school. Uh, but like I said, it's the biggest expense sure. they have. Well, Pastor John is opening the doors and basically saying, "Come in. We'll, we'll teach you English. We'll teach you French. We'll teach you, you know, whatever right. uh, math and reading and all that stuff." So. Wow, that's just, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but anyway, so we're footing that cost or trying to. So, that's awesome. if you guys want to donate to that, uh, just go to footprintsofcharity.org and click on the donations button. And you can uh, contribute at the bottom of the page. Uh, put a comment in there saying that you want it to go to school uniforms, and we'll make sure that it gets there. Cool. Uh, so, anyway, any amount would be a blessing. Are you ready to jump in? Yes, I'm so excited about resting in this lesson. Okay, let's do this. All righty. So we're continuing our trend yes. of, uh, of preaching and then theonauting. Well, it. yeah, it's my fault because I, I heard this one on Sunday and I loved it a ton. And I'm like, we, we've got to do that for... <laughs> for theonauts because it's it's a good study actually it's an interesting study because there's, there's so much 
controversy over this idea mm. of Sabbath and what it means. In fact, there's a whole denomination based <laughs> off of <laughs> when the Sabbath is or what the Sabbath is. Right. Right? And so it's a, it's a big deal. So... But and our goal is not necessarily to answer all those questions. No, it's not. It's to actually <laughs> look at it from a spiritual aspect. You know, one of the things I love about theonauts, and this is I'm not going to toot our own horns or anything, but toot toot. Please do. Uh, one of the things I love about theonauts is that we have big theological topics, but we get down to actually what what the meaning behind those things are, what the spiritual aspect and the application mm-hmm. is. Not so much sitting back and debating theology. It's getting to the root application. or the application yeah. of it. And that's, you know, I think that's the most important thing about theology is yes. the application. Because if you're missing Otherwise, the application... Otherwise, it's just, it's just book knowledge like anything else. Exactly. And it, you know, and it actually can be detrimental to your spiritual walk, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we're not here to answer... Those heady yeah, but if you're a Sabbatarian or anything like that, we're not going to condemn you. We're not going <laughs> to. Right. We're not going to jump on your boat. Or, <laughs> but we're. Uh, but we. What we want to do is talk about rest. We want to talk about Sabbath. There's going to be. Um, I think part of of the study for me was um, been really big into about the fulfillment of law and what. You know Jesus's statement about the greatest command being to love God and love your man, fellow man, and all the other commands <clears throat> are hanging on that. Right. So, like, there there are reasons for the laws. Like, the the reason why you don't kill somebody is not because God said so. The reason why you don't kill somebody is because you love that person right. too much to take their life. Right. And same way with any other command, it, it, they can all be narrowed down to either you're loving God or you're loving somebody else. Sure. <clears throat> and so th- this command is no different. And, you know, you'll hear uh, a lot of people say, it's the one of the Ten Commandments that we, that we neglect or that we don't do or whatever. But, uh, and that may be true for some. It may not be true for others. It may be true. It may, you may just think it's true for some. Right. And it may actually not be. So, um Let's let's go through this study, and we, we want to talk about what the meaning behind the command was. This is a command, or it's not necessarily a command that goes all the way back, but it is a concept that goes all the way back to the garden. Okay, goes all the way back. Well, all the way back, even prior to the garden, goes back to creation. Creation. Yep. So, if you would jump over into Genesis two, I will. <clears throat> Hop, skip, and <clears throat> a junk, junk. Yeah, let's and okay. So obviously, this is um, the creation account yes. in Genesis two, uh, verse two through three. All right, you want that English standard, by the way? That'll work great. Okay, all right. So Genesis two, verse two through three. Mm-hmm. By the seventh day, God p- completed His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all of His work that He had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it, he rested from his work of creation. Okay, so this is the first mention of this whole idea of, of the seventh day. Right. And making it holy. Yes. Um, one of the things that I think is important to notice here is <clears throat> there's some symbology that happens uh, with the number seven. seven. Mm-hmm. And it's very important in the concept of this of this study, as well as a lot of studies, especially when you're doing a lot of Christology or uh, even eschatology, you're reading Revelation. Right. I mean, 
this is called the heptatic structure, uh, which is which means the number seven is just everywhere in the right. Bible, and it and it has a symbolic meaning. Uh, the symbolic meaning being completion, right? Um, which makes the number six uh, mean imperfection. Imperfection, yeah. Not quite done, unfinished, restless, struggling. It's it's often called the number of man, yeah, because of the fall, right? And so, <clears throat> God creates creation in six days, but he's not quite done with that. Like it's, it's got this, this dangling thing that needs to, 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 to fill it. And so, um, the number seven is this number of completion. we got seven days in a week and this is why, I mean, this is like on the seventh day, uh, he rested. And so this is a representation of, he completed the work. He, um, he also gave it this symbolic, um, idea of rest and comfort and assurance. And I think that's what we get that from the number seven, too. And because think about, okay, if you're OCD. <laughs> okay. Okay, what is it like whenever you've got all the pencils in a row except for one? Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's my OCD. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like yeah. that. Like if there's, if, if you have... You know, one thing is skew, and everything else is perfect, perfectly lined up. There is a a sense of discomfort, right? In that, there is a sense of of restlessness in it, and so um, we're going to see here incompleteness, right? So that's what this seventh day brings to the whole. Thing. It brings comfort and brings rest and brings right. completion. Right. Um, so, but to get to completion, to get to perfection, you have to start in imperfection. Right. Okay. So, um, so if we go to Romans, okay, let's jump over to. Uh, and I think I typed this this chapter and verse wrong on my slide here. No, you didn't. Did I, I not? Yeah, I looked it oh, up. Okay. Okay. Well, you were thinking of four. You thought you thought that it was four, but there's it's a sim- there's Romans. a similar verse yes, that was thrown. I guess, but it's Romans eight. Romans right? eight nineteen to twenty three through twenty three. Yeah. All right. Okay. It says, "For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility." Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself would set free from its bondage the corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, so what is this telling us about creation at this point? Creation is groaning, and it's uh, it feels incomplete. It's like that everything's mm-hmm. in a row except for this. And this is this kind of started at the beginning of man's walk alone. Like this, this began at the fall. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was this sense of completion, and I think a lot of this is because God set up this pattern of completeness. Right. But then it became incomplete again. Like it became, it broke. 
Okay. Th- there was when the fall happened, you had this imperfection, and we have been in it ever since. Right. And so this this passage is kind of telling us <clears throat> our current condition. And so um, that's why the study is so important, is because we feel this. Like even if you if you, if you don't believe the Bible, even if you're not a Christian or whatever, you can't help but believe this. Right. Right, you you know you're struggling. Something's wrong in this world. It's not right. Things are crappy. Jacked up whack. Yeah. yeah, I mean you're just you're you're going to be dealing with pain and heartache and and all kinds of stuff. And uh, and you know I love this this picture that it gives here. It says that we everything has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Think about what that is like. So like if 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 you're a woman giving birth. That's the horrible part. Right. Like childbirth is the painful thing. That's the thing you don't want to go through. Exactly. But, but the end, what comes at the end of that is this blessing, this, yeah. this child. And and but and even though you have that in mind and it's worth the pain, you know, because you're going to be a parent, the actual process is a struggle. And it's a pain. Right. <laughs> and not that I would know. But, but you, you know that's that's uh, that is what this creation is like. Yes. So it's like we're we're struggling in this imperfection, seeking completion, seeking comfort, seeking rest, seeking um, to be fulfilled. So uh, God starts building a foreshadow. Of things to come, yes. Through the law, through um, all kinds of stories that we read about in the scriptures, uh, we, through the covenant, yes, uh, right. which, which we talked about recently. So uh, there's all these things, uh, Passover. All of this, these are shadows of things that are to come. And according to Hebrews, which we'll get into Hebrews quite a bit, um, it is a pattern yes. of what is in the heavens in the heavenlies. So like what we see here is like a poor copy of what's there. So you've got this, um, the Sabbath was mentioned earlier, but now we're going to talk about it being an actual commandment. Okay. That's given. So let's go to Exodus 20th chapter. Of course, this is the giving of the 10 commandments on Mount Sinai. Um, Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. All right, so this is what it says. It says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall be your labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is with your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so we have this whole thing here going on. Um, God gives them a very direct command about doing no work in the Sabbath day or the, or the, se- the seventh day. Yes. Um, and there is tons and tons and tons of debate that came afterward. <laughs> Yes, there was. So there's definitely like a million different theories about what this what this is about. Mm-hmm. Because okay, so most of the Ten Commandments are, are 
pretty straightforward. And you can even ask the question why because God is holy or mm-hmm. why because God is God and he's, he doesn't want anybody else you know, beside him or why because your parents are important and you need to honor them, right? Yeah. Why? Because you shouldn't lie, obviously. <laughs> or, But then he throws in this thing, hey, uh, by the way, don't do any work on the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Yeah. Set it apart. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on and right up to honor your father and mother. And you're going, why? Yeah. What's the purpose of this? And so, in fact, there have been tons of different books written on how to honor the Sabbath. Yeah, how do you... What is work? It says, do no work. Then you'd have to start asking, okay, well, if I'm going to be an obedient person to this, I need to know what my limitations are. Yeah. Can I get out of bed in the morning? (laughs) Is that work? It's got to be some sort of work. Right. You know, and if any of you who knows physics knows and heat and mechanics, moving a limb requires energy. Eating. Is work right? So, Looking is work, actually. <laughs> and so, obviously, it depends on on how uh, literal God is being here, right? As to what He means. In fact, I mean, they took so much the Talmud. Mm, you know, it's they full of it, right? They took so much. It's like I've I've used this analogy before, but it's like taking the rules of Monopoly, like passing, going, collecting two hundred dollars, and then writing. 36 other rules based on that rule. Right. Right. And that's what they did because they wanted to know exactly what they could and couldn't do. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Like the, I I don't know if you've, you've looked at some of those rules that they're very, very odd. Like one of them is like, uh, if your house is burning, you can't put it out. (laughs) Basically you can gather enough for like a day and then walk 30 paces or whatever outside mm-hmm. the gates, turn around and watch it burn. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you put it out, that would be, be working. working. <laughs> well, there's, and there's all, there's the things that are centered around your occupation. Oh yeah. So like, for example, if, if you're a seam, a seamster or, you know, whatever you, you can't like carry a needle, pick up a needle yeah. with you. <laughs> right. But obviously someone who's a carpenter could. Right. Because that's not that's his, not their work. It's not his work. You know. So I mean there's just all kinds of <laughs> of things like that. Yeah. So um so we we pose this question, why rest yeah. on the Sabbath day? what is the purpose? What's the reason? You know? Well, what was the reason he just gave? Well right be- there at the end, he, because he told us why. The Lord your God worked for seven days and on the seventh day he rested. So you do the same. Yeah. Okay. So, but even then, I mean, it's an ambiguous reason, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because God did it. Yeah. So yeah. you do it. Yeah. It's like it's like the dad saying, "Cause you know, because I, I said so." so right. Yeah. So, what in the world is that about? <laughs> well, and I think that um, one of the biggest things here is to understand that we are in a father-son relationship. Mm. So this is very important in the concept of rest because. It gets our mind around it. If you're a parent, if you have children, you start to understand how important rest is for your children. And you also start to see how powerful it is for you as a parent to rest with your child or to hold your child while they are resting and and that sort of thing. I mean, I know I've seen tons of pictures of you that Christina has posted where you're just conked we, out. With, we like to rest a lot. With Blakely yeah. laying on your stomach or whatever. It's her favorite pillow, man. And isn't that, isn't that an awesome feeling? Oh, my goodness. Though, as a dad, to know to feel their breath against you, yeah, my to favorite, feel their little heart beating against you. My favorite thing to do is to put her down, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's, it's 
private time, mm. and it's really special because it's you and her, and you're rocking, and you know, you, and she's at peace, exactly, and you're yeah. talking to her about everything, and it's uh, also very f- one of the most frustrating times mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, which we'll get to that here yeah. in a little bit. So, so okay, so um, I think that some of this underlying reason is it, the father rested, and he wants to be with you, so he wants you to rest. With him, yes, and in him, and so one of the the passages that that popped into my mind in thinking about this uh, is Matthew twenty three. So, okay. in, so in Matthew twenty three, you have Jesus nearing the end of his walk here, and uh, oh yeah, and he is super frustrated because he's been dealing with these Pharisees and these Sadducees on again, <laughs> off again for the past three years. Yeah. They've been in his face. They've been, they've constantly been trying to trip him up over the law, matters of the law. They've, they they are just been like constantly on him. And he is so fed up with it. Like he is, he spends the entire chapter chastising them in yeah. open forum. Like there's, there's people around and Jesus is saying, look, don't be like these guys. Yeah. Like that's his that's the message of chapter 23. And yeah, it's the seven woes and I mean it is if you ever want to see Jesus angry, everybody thinks of Jesus as lovey-dovey and you know mm-hmm. happy. If you ever want to see Jesus angry and publicly chastising somebody, read Matthew 23 about hypocrisy mm-hmm. and and those guys cuz it is it is absolutely unbelievable. He calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them a brood of vipers. Yeah. Um, How can you save yourself from damnation? I mean, he's he has just he just goes off on them. But at the end, and you could debate whether or not his audience is still there or not, or whether this is a soliloquy of sorts. Right. But read verse thirty-seven. Mm where I believe this is Jesus's, he's exhausted himself in this argument, and I believe, I almost picture him collapsing in tears as he says this. Yeah. So listen listen to what he has to say. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who sin it, how often would I gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. So... Isn't that, like, heartbreaking? Yeah. Because he's basically saying, all I wanted, like, all I ever wanted from you was from you to, to be my children. All I, all I wanted to do was care for you. Yeah. And hold you and bring you into my arms and let you know you're safe. You're protected. There's a God who loves you. But no. You're obstinate children and want to fight me all the time. And so it's like Jesus is reflecting this concept of rest in his frustration here. And he's basically saying, I wanted comfort with you. I wanted to hold you. And and you wouldn't have me. And, of course, this is fortunate for us as Gentiles because this is how we are able to enter into this rest that he's talking about here, too. So... um, so the reason why he wants us to rest is because he wants to rest with us. He wants us to be comforted. He's our father, and he's loving on us, right? Well, let's look to uh, Deuteronomy 5. So we have here um, a reiteration of the law. Yeah. So th- this is uh, 
the, these are, are Moses's little uh, vignettes of, of uh, preaching and, and so forth. Right. And he is reiterating the law in Deut- Deuteronomy 5. Look at verse 12 through 15. It's going to sound very familiar to what we read in Exodus. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is with you at your gates, that your male servant and female servant may rest with you as well. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Man, there's something interesting there. <laughs> yeah. He, he adds to it. Yeah. He adds Chang- another reason why. Changes it why. up a little bit. Yeah. Right. And the reason why is almost extremely obscure. Mm-hmm. It's like, remember to rest because you were slave in Egypt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, a lot of times we we just skim over this we stuff glance we're, over where it. we're reading it. But yeah. we just read in Exodus 20, he said, because, therefore... This is why you do it, because God rested. Right. But in this passage, it's almost identical word for word, is it not? I yeah. Mean, it, down to the, the daughter and the son and the male servant and the female servant. I mean, it's like listing all the people who can't work within your gates. Right. And But instead of quoting Exodus 20, word for word, he changes it up. And he was like, this is why you need to remember and uh, you need to remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that God brought you out of it. And that's it. Therefore, like in other words, for this reason, right. God created the Sabbath. Mm. Um, and so uh, stop and think about that. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's really weird. I mean, what exactly is he doing? Well, for one, he is preparing them to go into the promised land. Like that's where he's trying to mm-hmm. get them to. And obviously, he's had lots of problems with them up to this point. And um, oh yeah, <laughs> and and so what he's saying is he's saying remember that God's a deliverer. Like remember where you were, remember where you came from, and remember that God delivers you from bondage. Right. Well, and you think <clears throat> what's the what's the opposite of rest? The opposite of rest is work. And struggle, yeah. And struggle. Now imagine work day in, day out with no reprieve and no reward. Mm-hmm. That's slavery. Right. Right? Right. And so Moses is saying, remember, you were in slavery. Mm-hmm. God has brought you out. And what has he brought you out to? He's brought you out to rest. Yes. So that's the key. Yeah. Or part of the key. Deliverance is rest. Yes. Like deliverance is rest. So part of of what we talked about earlier was that God wanted, wants to rest with us. And so he had to come up with a day. If, if you're just going to be law keepers, I'm going to have to force you to do this. I'm going to, it's nap time, right? <laughs> it's and, and gives them a time where they need to, to chill out, look at him and rest with him. Yeah. Okay. And apparently they're still having a struggle with this concept. Just because God did it doesn't really ring well with them. So there's this new thing. Okay, remember that he delivered you. Remember that you were struggling, that you had all these 
remember that, and because of that, there's a Sabbath for you to rest in. Right. And so uh, let's look at Psalms 95. So okay. Psalms 95 is David remembering back to all this, and he is remembering not only the struggles they had in Egypt, coming out of Egypt, but they still didn't get it in Deuteronomy, right. and they still struggled, and they and there was a, another rest that was being promised besides the Sabbath, and that was the Holy Land. The promised land. The promised yeah. land. They were going to be, they were going to get, enter into God's rest into this Holy Land. Yeah. And so deliverance, once again, is what they're looking for. Right. And so let's look at what um, David has to say in Psalms 95, verse 7 through 11. Okay, it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as to Meribah, uh, sorry, and I always mess that up, <laughs> uh, as on the day of um, Massa, or Massah, in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay, so he is basically saying he's fed up with them because they're unwilling to rest. And he was like, I'm trying to give you deliverance. I'm trying to take you into this promised land. And he says... uh, now, this statement here that he makes is very important because we're going to echo back to it before we're through. But David used this terminology coming from God. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then he compares it to Meribah. Meribah was where uh, they said, we're going to die out here in this wilderness. And, and Moses... starving of water. Yeah, Moses know. split the rock. Right. You know, and, and, of course, that caused Moses all kinds of problems, too. Right. I mean, there's just a lot of, of drama right. went down because of their lack of belief and their their lack of heart. Right. M- uh, Massa is another place in the wilderness where they had nothing to drink and all this, and they, and, the, and they were going, we should have stayed in Egypt and blah, blah, blah. And there was a well that had bitter water in it, and Moses put a branch in it, right. and it made it clean. Clean, yeah. Uh, so... Anyway, he's basically saying, I don't want you to be like the that. Like, I want you to have faith in me. I want you to believe that I am holding you, that I, that I am the God of comfort, that I'm the God of deliverance, that I am protecting you. I know exactly what you need when you need it. Yeah, quit putting me to the test. That's exactly. what he says is, when your fathers put me to the test, they weren't happy until I did some miracle. Like, <laughs> unless I did the miracle, they wouldn't believe. Ugh. Is that not still true today? <laughs> I mean, how many people, they, they want a miracle. Yeah. And if they don't get their miracle, God ain't around. Man. Yeah. That, that'll that preach. And, you know, this is the the point where I get ticked off with Blakely, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we're going in and she's she needs to go to bed, and I know what she <laughs> needs, but she's freaking out and fussy and fighting, you know, and give it five minutes and she's out, and then she jerks back up because she will not enter that she rest. realizes yeah that, hey i'm about to go to sleep here i'm about to and i don't want to rest no yeah and that's i've I got too much going on i got too much stress in my life yeah for that. and that's why i mean if you stop and think about um 
why God established a day of rest, like a Sabbath command, um, part of it is because we are we were children, mm-hmm. especially at that time, we're children of faith, yeah. like in the faith. And so the law, all of the law, was there to be our, as Galatians puts it, schoolmaster. our schoolmaster to yeah. bring us into faith. Yeah. So uh, so it was there to teach us right and wrong and what God wants and, and how he... So that when we come to faith, we obey out of different reasonings, right. not just because it's a law. Right. And so... Uh, Think we do the same thing. I mean, yeah. this is why you have to understand God is your father. Yeah. If you're a father, what do you do? You have nap times, right? Right. You've got established times that you've set forth for your child to go down and f- and you're forcing them to rest. to rest. You know, between 12 and 2 or whatever it is, you have set aside a time frame where that child is going to rest. Now, when the child becomes an adult, <laughs> he may still want to, to nap in the middle of the day. I would love that. <laughs> but you, we don't always get that opportunity, right? No. So is it as important that the child or that the grown person now, the one who has matured, still stick to his 12 to 2 window and he has to take that nap during <laughs> that time frame? No, because he's matured now and he knows when when I'm tired, I need to rest. Right. And I will rest. I'm willing to do it. Right. Because I know that's what's best for me. Exactly. And it's the same thing with that's what he means by being our schoolmaster unto faith is all the things that we were told to do under the old commands were there to bring us to a place of obedience of faith. Yes. And and the obedience of the spirit. So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but let's but let's go back here and look at why we don't rest. Like one of the reasons why we don't rest okay. is because of what it it's what it said there is that there was a lack of faith. Yeah. They were looking for a miracle. They were looking for proof. They were they didn't have this concept of I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna I'm going to trust fall into his arms. Yeah. And uh, that's what prevents rest. So if we go to Hebrews, um, Hebrews 3. Now, remember, we've gone through Hebrews a little bit before on the show. Hebrews is all about um, trying to demonstrate to the Hebrews that the old laws and the old um, the things that they revered about the old covenant, Moses, the angels, the angels yeah. all the things that they know, it's basically the writer of Hebrews is saying there's something better. Jesus is better than all that. <laughs> yes. And and he puts Jesus in the place of the sacrifice. He puts him in the place of Moses. He puts him in the place of Aaron. He puts him in the place, you know, he's a better priest. He's a better, you know, everything. He goes through, and this is what Hebrews is all about. Right. So in Hebrews 3, let's look at verse 16 through 19. Okay. It says, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would never enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that we were unable to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief. So let's stop and think about that today. Like, do you really think that God's got you? If if so, you know, or or do we 
do we struggle? And think of the things that we struggle with. We struggle with uh, anxieties and depressions and uh, just all these crazy things that just tear us up illnesses and uh, marital strife and job issues. And I mean, there's just all this stuff on us. And sometimes we just feel like we're just piled onto completely overwhelmed. And, and it's like, but do you find rest through all that? Hmm. Or is it just that constant struggle? You're just constantly fighting it. And like it says, the whole world is groaning for completion and not finding that rest and the key to finding the rest is in the belief that God's got this. Yeah. And if you go if you go into your prayers thinking, uh, you know, maybe you've got an illness and you're trying to get God to to help you in it, and you're just praying over and over and over for healing, and it's just never coming. And do you just are you just reached that point to where it's like, well, I can pray again, but it's not going to do any good. <laughs> yeah. Because I already know what God. I already know that it's never going to happen. It's never. And so we're still not resting, even though we're trying and we're, we're, uh, we're reaching out to God. We're not having faith in it. We're, we're not believing that he's going to give us rest. And so we end up struggling. Um, but the good news is that we can find rest, that this thing that started in Romans eight, talking about the, the imperfection ends in perfection. There is a seventh day. There is a place of completion. There is this number seven that came, and that's in Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's, he, is, he has that hepatic structure all over his life. Right. First coming, second coming, all of it. I mean, it's like full of that number seven, that completion thing. Uh, so let's do a little comparison here, Old Testament to New Testament. Okay. Um, Exodus 31, just one verse here, I'll read right quick. Exodus 31, 13 says, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout the generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Okay, so first off. Whoa. (laughs) So that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You're sanctified through the Sabbath? (laughs) What in the world does that mean? Yeah, well, and, and what that means is... It's not the Sabbath that does the sanctifying. What? But that's what it says. (laughs) It is God who does the sanctifying. The Sabbath is the sign of that. So so that's why he says, above all, I want you to do this. Yeah. And so he's saying, I want you guys to do this because. So here's another reason. (laughs) Wait a minute. I thought we already had reasons for this. Right. the, the, The latest reason here is. You shall keep my Sabbaths for, because for this is a sign between me and you throughout the generations that you may know I sanctify you. I, the Lord, am sanctifying you. Stop and think about that. Knowing what we know now, how exactly are we sanctified? <laughs> We're sanctified for the, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like that's, that is what sanctifies us. Yes. So Romans 5 verse 19 indirect parallel with this, says, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, talking about Adam, so by the one man's obedience, talking about Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Righteous. So we are sanctified, we are made righteous by Jesus' obedience and not our own. So it doesn't matter if you personally are keeping every command that includes the Sabbath day command. It 
what that doesn't that doesn't sanctify you. What sanctifies you is Jesus's obedience. The point is, yeah, that's good. Jesus is our Sabbath. Yes. So at least he is the rest that the Sabbath represents. He's yes. he is the he is the ultimate rest. He has been what it has been pointing at all along. Right. Uh, I go back to um, to the garden and think about um, I think about this. Uh, well, first off, let's just to to put an end cap on that thought. Okay. About Jesus being our rest, like that is what he is. He comes right out and says this. Right, I mean, he he makes no bones about it. Right, he say, he tells us in Matthew eleven, and we can almost all quote this. Right, yeah. Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, yeah. Yeah. and what I will give you rest. I will give you what rest? Like that's one of Jesus's goals. Like he's that is his what he wants to do for you. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and, and my, my burden, burden is light. Is light. Yeah. So if the whole point this whole time, going all the way back to the garden, was to find rest with God, Jesus says, come to me and I will give, give that you. to yep. you. Rest. So I start thinking about, you know, uh, the symbol throughout time and thinking about, okay, what, what was the first reason? Was because God did it, right? Right. Well, I think about that. Um and maybe this is me reading too much into the creation story, uh, but I think about what was God actually, where was he resting? Like like on that seventh day, what did he mean he was resting? I mean, was he like really tired? Was he like exhausted? Yeah, that's the thing that always got me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would God ever need to rest? Because he's God. Yeah. He doesn't need any rest. Does and he did God all, need sleep? And he did all this through speaking words. He, right. It's not like he sweat. It put a lot of sweat equity into it. I mean, right. he was so great and almighty that he could speak it into existence. Yeah. So, so the question then becomes: Why was he so tired? Or why did he? Well, he wasn't necessarily tired. I believe that he spent that seventh day in the garden with his creation. And what makes me think that is because just by implication, if we listen to uh, the things that Adam says, we listen to the things that Eve says to the serpent, there's obviously been some conversations between the Almighty and his creation. Yeah. Like, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They know, Adam knows he's he's supposed to be naming the animals and caring for the garden. I mean, he knows what his job description is. Eve knows I'm not supposed to eat this, and the day I do, I will die. I mean, she's she's got sure. this information from somewhere. Um, and then when they do screw up and and they eat the forbidden fruit, um, what scares them? God coming down in the cool of the evening. Yeah. Right? And it's like, did you not expect that? I mean, I think they expected that. I think that they were like, "Oh no, what are we going to do?" Right. They they knew that they knew what God was doing because I believe He'd done it before. Right. And so I think, and this is just in my mind's eye. Obviously, this isn't coming out of Scripture, but I believe that God was resting with His children. Yeah. And that put that puts a, such a clearer picture on why the command was because God did this, was because He was saying, "I'm 
I want rest with you. I want to walk in the cool of the evening through a peaceful garden with the people I love, with the people that I created. And therefore, on the seventh day, you do the same thing. Like you set aside this time and you do it. So I think about that. Okay, so what is Jesus? We just read. He gives us rest. What did we read up there in Matthew 23? I want to pull you as chicks to a hen. I want to, I want to hold you. Right. And so these are echoes of what happened, uh, presumably happened in the garden time frame on that seventh day. And so then we talked about deliverance, that it was part of deliverance was the reason. Right. What did Jesus do? He delivered us from the bondage of sin and death. That's what Romans says over yes. and over again. Yes, it's like God, Jesus fulfills all these reasons that God said, do the Sabbath. Like this is, he does all of those things. Right. Um, so, you know, but we fight it anyway. Like yeah. we, just like you said, your, your baby's going to fight taking that night nap and going to sleep. Um, and that's why he has to keep telling us to do it. So in, in Hebrews 4, once again, Remembering what Hebrews is, it's telling us this is what it was, but this is the better thing. This is the more perfect thing. Right. So Hebrews 4, verse 1 through 3. Let's look at that. And 3 actually is in the middle of a sentence, so... Uh, <laughs> yes, terrible. It'll be a kind of a, a hard place to Come stop. on, man. But go ahead. Terrible division. All right. Um, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to just uh, came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. Okay, so um, now let's stop and think about this for just a second. He's talking about the children of Israel again coming he, out of Egypt yes and out of and, and being and and trying to get to the holy land holy land yeah. so he's same variation on a theme we read in Hebrews 3 about it we read in in Psalms 95 about it, it there's this common theme about resting finding rest obeying the sabbath they're all like linked together right and and here he is saying the reason why he says they failed to do it uh, he was like, I'm scared that you're not going to get the real rest. Right. That's what he's saying here the first. Yeah. He's like, I'm afraid you people who are calling yourselves Christians yeah. have not found rest in Jesus Christ. You've, you're just like those you're just like those Hebrews who come out of bondage only to wander in a desert and never experience the promised land. Right. Right. That's which is the deliverance, which is he's, the rest. The real rest. And he says, Good news came to us. Well, it came to them too. Yeah. But it says it didn't benefit them. I love this because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Mm. So there are some that get it and there are some that, that hear it and they go, Oh my gosh, God, I want your rest. Your rest I yeah. want to be in that. And I have faith in that rest. And they're talking about it and they're okay. It says, but the problem is the ones who get it, the ones who don't get it, aren't united in faith with them. Okay, so our faith is a fickle thing. It I mean, is. it comes and goes a lot. Yeah. And don't feel bad because you're in a dark time of the soul 
or that your faith is weak, yeah. because we all have that. Even Paul claimed to have, have no faith. Yes, there are places in our lives where we're just constant, where we worry. You right. know, is this really what God wants from me, or is this is He even real? Is He even listening? I mean, everyone has those type of thoughts, and uh, and I believe that if you say you don't, you're kind of fooling yourself. Right, <laughs> but. But there, but here's what he says though. If being united in faith is is important, the scriptures use unity a lot. Sure. In this, for this. Okay. So, for example, if Jeremiah is having a, a tough time in his faith, I'm walking beside him, and my faith may be strong at that moment. It's a big deal, yeah. So we come together and we talk about things, and my faith helps build his faith. Then there may be the day whenever my faith is starting to struggle, and Jeremiah comes to me and says, "Hey, remember when you said this?" and all of a sudden, we're like united in our faith. Like our faith is made whole because we're having it together. Right. And so that's how a group of people, the children of Israel, yeah. could have gotten into their rest was had they been united in faith. Same way with us. We've, we're put here in, in ecclesia together. Mm. Like there's a reason why we're called out and called together so that we can do this together. To help each other trust in the rest that God has provided through Jesus Christ. Yes, because that's how we find rest is by that faith, and that faith is built by one another yeah. and strengthened by one another. Mm. Okay, so let's continue on reading just a little bit. I may stop you here or there because there's some okay. cool things in, in here. So let's continue reading Hebrews 4. Verse uh, 3. Yes, uh, the last part of verse 3, and we're going to go through 11 ultimately. Okay. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. Okay, hang on a second. <laughs> I believe the writer, I don't, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, <laughs> but we can probably assume he's a, he's a, he's a pretty scholarly guy in the Hebrew Obviously, faith. Obviously, yeah. Because he's given a lot of detail about the Hebrew faith. Right. Um, he knows good and well where the Sabbath day is spoken about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, every good Hebrew would know exactly where that. Every kid who's about. been to Sunday school knows yeah. it's part of the Ten Commandments, right? Like we know where it's at, <laughs> and I believe that his reasoning in here is to show how it's less important than what he's about to say, and so that's why he says somewhere it was said. Yeah. This. I'll say, so continue. <laughs> and God rests on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted. Okay, so hang on just a second there. So listen to what he's saying. He was he was like, in order to force you to rest, in order to get you with me and to get on the same page with me, just as I create a nap time for my children, God created a time frame and appointed a day for you to rest. But listen to what he says. He says, um, again, he appoints a certain day today. And then he starts quoting David, which he's quoting, by the way, the psalm that we, that we, just read. That we read earlier. So uh, continue reading there what, it, what he, he's quoting. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
And it's really interesting. I just want to side note. Yeah. This is the exact same psalm where we were talking about who? The Israelites coming out of bondage. Same topic. And not, yeah, exactly. The exact mm-hmm. same. I mean, there is a full-on thread that flows through the scripture with this. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all right. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did for his. Okay, let's stop there for just a minute. Do you you hear what he just said? He said, if you enter into God's rest, then you have rested from your works the same way God did. Mm. Now, what was one of the reasons why he established the Sabbath? Because he rested on the seventh day and wanted you to to do the same. To do the same, and he's basically saying whoever enters into God's rest has kept the law. Has kept the law. This is this is being fulfilled in this. This is being fulfilled in you. Right. in this. So the last verse, or last sentence. Okay. There Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So. Uh, Typical Hebrews um, passage oh, yeah. there, you know, uh, stick with this stuff, quit backsliding, quit being a, a hard nosed Hebrew, and and listen exactly, to, and listen to what Jesus is and what He does. Yes, the Sabbath the Sabbath day was important, and even today, if you want to to honor God through the Sabbath, the way it has been for thousands of years through this pattern, there's no problem with that. I mean. The, the the thing is to understand the meaning of the command yeah. and to see that it was actually fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that he's the real rest. And that, yeah, that's, that's important and it's cool, but it's not as important. It is not as fulfilling as knowing Jesus that's right. and his rest. So the question that we, we kind of come up with is, are you really resting? Mm. Uh, one of the things I thought about in this is um, whenever uh, uh, Paul is converted on the road to Damascus, um, one of the things that, that happens here is now think about Saul, hardworking guy, yeah, religious guy, right? understood theology. Like, I mean, this is a, this is a guy, who's going to teach this guy anything? Right. Like, I mean, he's got it all down. He exactly. Did, he, doesn't need, uh, uh-uh. he doesn't need any more instruction That's in right. righteousness, quote-unquote. But what what exactly does he have a problem with? Unbelief. Yeah. In Jesus. He doesn't have faith in Jesus. He thinks he's doing a good job by killing Christians and persecuting Christians. And so when Jesus pops up on the road all of a sudden in front of him and blinds him, he has a little conversation with him. And um, uh, so in Acts 9, verse 5, Jesus says this to him. He says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now I'm reading in the King James. He says, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And we've heard that quoted and that sort of thing, but what in the world does that mean? Um, well, in their culture, there was an issue that everyone knew about. Like if you plowed a field and you had oxen and you would have these, these ox yoked together and the, the ox would... Sometimes not like to pull that plow. Right. So he'd reach back and start kicking on it, and uh, which caused a problem, right? Right. So what they did was they would build this 
this thing called a goad, which was a spike strip right. that they would put on the front of the plow. Um, and that's what it's referring to here when it says you kick against the pricks. Whenever the, when the ox would get obstinate about what he's supposed to be doing and start kicking back, Ow. He, he'd be kicking <laughs> into these spikes right, and basically hurting himself. Yeah. So think about what Jesus is telling Paul. You're hurting yourself. Yes. You're struggling, dude. Yeah. Like, are you really comfortable? Are you at rest right now? Are you, is this where you think God wants you Mm. in this constant struggle and fight? And all you're doing is harming yourself when you could have rest. Mm. And so I I think about that in terms of our own questions because we do the same thing. Right. We kick against the goad. All the time. Right. It's not, it is not easy for us to simply enter that arrest, I don't believe. No. It's, for it's, one, it's unnatural to it's us. It's a natural thing to fight that. Mm-hmm. It, it, the hardest thing to do is to lay down and let God. Yeah. You know, and trust Christ. I mean, you don't have to teach a child to fight nap time. Uh-oh. It just happens. Yeah. It's, it's natural uh, to not want to do that. And that's when we're the same way. Um, uh, moving forward in Hebrews, uh, if we jump to Hebrews 6, read verse 17 through 19 there. Okay. <clears throat> Hold on real quick. Let me pull it up. <laughs> 17 through 19. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast through the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so a lot going on in there, but oh, yeah, the, part, the part that I wanted to kind of focus on was the fact that God, it says that he can't lie. Right. And he, he said, we who have fled for refuge. Mm. What does that mean? Refuge is rest. <laughs> yes. If you're, if you're on the run, if you're on the lamb, refuge is that place you go to relax, to chill, right. to be safe. And so this is the same concept of rest. He says, for we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. What's that mean? Comfort, rest, peace, to hold fast in the hope that is set before us. So much so, I love this, that we have it as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. Wow. Can we honestly say that our faith and our hope in God anchors us like that's what wow it holds us fast right like there's nothing that's going to move us no winds no waves no nothing because that anchor is there and it is holding me there right and that anchor is ultimately secured in the sacrifice that jesus made amen but but the thing that is really cool here is is it's about rest right I mean, like, you're afraid you're going to blow up against the rocks unless the anchor's down. Yeah. Like, that, and that gives you assurance. That gives you, that gives you hope. Right. And the, the type of hope that's mentioned here in the Bible is not wishful thinking type of hope. It's 
hope meaning a statement of a foreknowledge. Like you know the future. Yeah. And that future is secured. Secured. Amen. Yeah. Uh, the last passage here is Romans 5, first two verses says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Mm. Think about how the whole gospel is, is ultimately kind of tied into this whole concept of, faith, of rest, and him saying the reason you can't enter rest is because you don't have faith. Well, think about what he just says here. We have obtained access by faith into this grace. Grace is a restful thing, right? Because it's like, oh, now I know I'm delivered. I know I'm justified. I know my soul is secure at this point. Amen. So he's like, you obtain that grace, that rest through faith. And so all of this works so closely together, and yet we get so nitpicky and tied up into the into the debate about well should we actually see and that's what be I be mowing our yards on Saturday morning right. you and, know or and again going back to the very first when we started talking about this we can theologically debate sabbath until mm. we're blue in the face all right so we worship on sunday you know what i mean yeah but shouldn't we do that on saturday what's the deal with that how why did we change it from the last day of the week to the first day of the week you know we talk we could talk about jesus and how that set a precedence all this other stuff but the real purpose the real meaning behind it gets lost in translation because we simply don't ask the question why we're not seeing the forest for the trees? Exactly. What was taking taking a step? We're scraping back. bark exactly. off of the trees. Taking a step back <laughs> and looking at the big picture here, yeah. and the big picture is Jesus Christ's redemption from the beginning. By the way, of the world, one of the very first things, <laughs> all the way through, <laughs> showing his rest, and that's. That's what the Sabbath means. Right. That's the purpose behind it, the meaning behind it. That's that's the point. Mm. Don't ever miss the point because you want to debate theo- theological idealism. Right. It, or you know, it's you all you do is you start writing more rule books. Just like <laughs> just like the very just like people the Talmud. <laughs> yeah. The very people in Matthew twenty three. Started, that started Jesus with goes, an oral tradition, you know, of the Mishnah. Exactly. And before long you're you're writing it in volumes. And yeah. and one group of people is doing it in Babylon. The other group of people is doing it in Jerusalem. <laughs> and they're not quite the same. Exactly. So, <laughs> oh, oh, man. But uh, how often have we sung the song, Blessed Assurance? And, I mean, it's, a, it's this hymn that has just been around forever. Sure. And if you stop and think about it, the lyrics to this song are so beautiful. It's one of my heart songs. Yeah. Like... Like this, um, the chorus declares it, my heart song, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but if you think about the words, listen to what it says. It says, blessed, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm. Like I've, I've staked a claim on him. Like I have found. I'm assured in him. him. I have found this in him. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. There's no wishful thinking in that statement. This is a foretaste. This assurance I have here. It's just a foretaste of what I know I are I have. Right. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm the purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. 
Like this is declaration. Yeah. It's not, there's no doubt in these lyrics. Like this is finding rest. Second verse says, perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture burst on my sight. Angels descending, bringing from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love. Mm. And this is an image of comfort and peace. I mean, you just think about... When you perfectly submit. Yes. Uh, the last verse, perfect submission, all is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed, watching and waiting and looking above, filled with His goodness and lost in His love. And, man, that is just a beautiful... I love that last verse so much. All is at rest. Can we say that? Can we honestly look at at our stressful, Mm. crazy lives and go, all is at rest? Because I and my Savior am happy and I'm blessed. I'm just... Now I'm just watching, I'm waiting, and I'm just looking. My eyes are to the sky filled with goodness and lost in love. Mm. And of course, the, the the chorus itself, he's like, you know, the things I've just said, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And let's just repeat that again, you know? Amen. <laughs> and, and that is just well, one of my favorite hymns, actually. I, I, I really like that. But anyway... So find rest in Jesus Christ. Yes. And if you haven't, then you really need to start thinking about your faith and finding out where you are. That's right. Because you should be finding a lot of comfort in these words. Amen. And if you choose to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy physically, God bless you. Anna. I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. But don't forget the spiritual meaning behind yes. it. Yes. It's good. All right. We ready for some news? Hey, bring it on. And now, the news. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey had a son, uh, and he named him Levi. Do you know why? Levi is another name for anybody? anybody? Matthew, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going to name him Matthew Jr., but he chose Levi. And the reason he named him Matthew was because of his favorite Bible verse. He was born on 6.22, at 6.22 p.m., mm-hmm. and he named him after Matthew 6.22, which is, uh, the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of life. So he named him Levi 6.22. Makes sense? That's cool. I thought it was kind of neat. That's I was, actually I, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I heard, like, did you hear Matthew McConaughey's acceptance speech at his, uh, I didn't. his Oscar acceptance uh-uh. speech? He honored God in it. Oh, did he? But, you know, there's that little be dumb Christian in me that is like, yeah, yeah, he's just giving God lip service, blah, blah, blah. But that's deep. You know, that's it, deep. it's extremely deep. I don't think many people <laughs> would be able to go... Matthew 6.22. He's going to be named Levi. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's impressive. All right. Uh, Apparently, there is no God in the Star Trek universe. That's nothing new. I'm fixing to say, is that uh, news? Yeah. The Telegraph highlighted an exchange in the sneak peek of the upcoming Star Trek Discovery. That's awful. (laughs) You got him. That's awesome. Okay. Holy ghost power. That's awful. Yes, it's awful. Holy ghost fire. <laughs> All right. So uh, have you heard about the new Star Trek Discovery? 
Yes, TV show. Super excited about that. Anyways. Yeah. All right. But uh, wait a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek out for just a minute. Okay. I also saw the, the horrible Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the movie, right? Right. Where they went looking for God. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't find him. No, they didn't. <laughs> I remember. You know, and the closest thing they have to God is an a ambivalent, psychotic alien named Q. Right. Right? <laughs> the Q continuum. But, he, but even in the show, the zealot who wanted to go find God was the bad guy. Right. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> All right, so I just got to read this. Okay, go This ahead. is from Relevant. All right, the Telegraph highlighted an interesting exchange and a sneak peek of the upcoming Star Trek Discovery series, which will return fans to where no man has gone before. Speaking of, you know... Uh, speaking of, you know who else isn't there? God. As has long been somewhat <laughs> implicit in the series, but never really explicitly stated until now, there is no God in the Star Trek universe. How do we know? Well, actually, there uh, through a bit of ad-libbing on the part of Jason Isaacs, who will be playing the Discovery's captain in the series, apparently he improvised a line in which he said, for God's sake, and was promptly told he couldn't say that. Not because it might potentially offend viewers, but because in the series, mankind has moved beyond the notion of God and religion. Okay. That's a little outside of the Trek universe, because there are references to God throughout. Oh, yeah. All the way through, yeah, actually. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the... Even if they honor it as a myth or yeah. whatever. That's one of their main th- themes it's an, ex- it's an existential show. Yeah. It, it's, it's about examining human spirit right. and all that. So they do venture into religion on occasion. Did you know that Roddenberry grew up as a Baptist? No, I didn't know that. And now you know <laughs> the rest of the story. <laughs> Holy ghost power, that's awful. <laughs> Holy ghost power, that's awful. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay. More than 20 years ago, No Carries, an evangel- uh, evangelical an evangelical pastor in Echo Park, California, was a teenager from Guatemala and came to the U.S., and was deported for crossing the border illegally. Two years later, he returned and ignored the deportation order. However, in the two decades since then, Karras married an American citizen, founded a, uh, and pastored Iglesia Pentecostos Costro La Roca de Puder, an Assemblies of God church, and became the father of two children, both of whom are American citizens and are now six and five years old. He even voluntarily checked in with immigration officials on a regular basis. In the last few years, he was granted two one-year stays. However, this year, his stay request was denied. This week, though, Karras went to a scheduled immigration check-in at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service Office to discuss his status. His wife waited in the lobby for what she thought would be a short appointment. Ten minutes later, she was informed that her husband of 14 years was being arrested. Karras has no criminal history. She was told he is deportable. Word of his arrest spread quickly through the Christian community his area, and local pastors have begun writing letters protesting his detainment. The L.A. Times talked with Guillermo Torres for the group Clergy and Laity United for Economic Justice. This case meets the criteria for action because it's an evangelical pastor who poses no threat to our country or our community. As of now, the fate of Karras remains unclear. As the paper notes, arrests by immigration officials are up by 35% since the election. Trump famously campaigned as a hardline immigration stance, though he said the efforts would focus on what he called bad hombres. (laughs) Bad hombres. 
Yeah. So what do you think about that? Well, should that guy have been deported? It's, it's a tough call. I don't think he should be deported. I think there should be some uh, discussion about it. But uh, he did enter back. Illegally. I mean, there could be all kinds of yeah, there could be all kinds of things that they could do, fines and and sure, you know, whatever. I mean, the guy did enter Ill- illegally, right? He broke the law. So yeah, there needs to be some sort of repercussion. But I think it's a little extreme given <laughs> to arrest him, <laughs> given you know the situation. Sure, and that's interesting. I don't know what to think about that because I'm on the stance of deportation. I believe right. that if you in our country legally it's fine. If you don't, then you need to be deported. That's just Well, my... it's just not fair to the ones who have gone through all the pain and the That's struggle right. and everything else to try and get here legally. That's just because it's opinion. not an easy thing. So it's it's tough. Wow. Uh okay, so Justin Bieber canceled the remainder of his purpose world tour because he has rededicated his life to Christ and wants to start his own church. I heard something about that. Yeah, uh, that's hearsay, by the way. Really? Um, yeah, it, this is a this is a um, article that was put out by the DailyMail dot com, which you shouldn't trust a hundred percent a lot of times. Uh, but there are people. Richard Wilkins, uh, entertainment guru for Channel Nine, claimed that the real reason Bieber decided to step from the tour bus, step off the tour bus, is because he wanted to reconnect with his faith and possibly start his own church. Apparently, on Today Extra on Tuesday, Richard said that he had gleaned the exclusive information from an inside unnamed source. So, however you want to take that. Uh, Unnamed. Yeah, Justin was in the country earlier this month to attend the annual Hillsong Church Conference in Sydney. This is in the country, Australia. Right. and Richard hinted that love yourself, the Love Yourself singer could be looking to make a more permanent connection with the church. That, and then there was, okay, so that happened earlier in the week. Yeah. And then later in the week was the viral picture, did you see it? Uh-uh. Of Justin Bieber raising a glass with Pastor Carl, Carl Lentz, who is the hipster Hillsong pastor. Right. Yeah, there's this great picture of them at a bar drinking some kind of whiskey or something. (laughs) Following word that Justin Bieber has canceled the remainder of his Purpose Tour, as well as unconfirmed reports that the pop star has rededicated his life to Christ, concerned are being raised as to what kind of spiritual influence Hillsong hipster Carl Lentz has been (laughs) on the singer. Since earlier this year, photos of Lentz and the soon shirtless Bieber slamming shots together at a bar have been circulating online, the latest among a number of controversies involving Hillsong NYC, which also raised eyebrows last year after its youth leader appeared as the naked cowboy during a women's conference. Okay. The chief concern of these images That's what every woman's conference needs. Yeah, exactly. A naked cowboy. The naked cowboy. What in the world? Mm. That's nuts. (laughs) (sighs) Go to ghost power. That's awful. (laughs) Go to ghost power. That's awful. (laughs) You have to prompt me whenever... I know. That's the best fart right there. You should put that out. I'm here to tell you that each and every time you spoon into a bowl of Lucky Charms, you might as well be partaking of Lucifer's sacrament. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I've got got a bunch of good ones. So what do you think about Pastor Carl Lynch slamming shots of Justin Bieber? Um, It probably wasn't the wisest photo op. 
<laughs> given given what uh, that represents to so many people, I and, know it's not. Uh, you know, you just got to be smart. Yeah. Well. Well, and if you've listened to Bieber go on about he's he's not traditional in his no, in his faith. which is okay. I mean, I'm not gonna like come down on that, but um, it's like Shia LaBeouf. I haven't heard lately where he's at, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, he kind of did the same type of thing. And <laughs> do it! Just do it! Just do it! Don't we have a stinger for that one? We used we to. We did. I, I, Man, I'm, that was a long time ago. kind of out of date, though. Oh, my goodness. Wow. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys. What <laughs> <laughs> uh. makes you think they were from Al-Qaeda? <laughs> they had those style things on their heads. <laughs> Holy ghost fire. <laughs> oh, man. Did you get the one where it's like, I feel like Lucifer has farted in my brain? <laughs> no. <laughs> that one's the best. <laughs> okay, anyways. All right. Last story. So sad. The, have you been following the Charlie Guard thing? Mm-mm. So there's a child in the UK. His name is Charlie Guard. Um, he was a terminally ill baby. Uh, he was just under, he was a week away from his first birthday before he died. But basically, um, what had happened is he had some crazy weird disease, and um, and so in the UK, you know, there's free universal health care there, right? Um, but the thing is, is the UK also has a law in the books that if doctors, what the doctors basically say goes. So if the doctors think what's better for the boy is what they're saying versus what the parents are saying, the law's on the doctor's side. Gotcha. So gotcha. they can't pull their boy yeah. away. So there was this... After all, we're paying for this. Exactly. So there was yeah. this experimental drug, experimental um, thing available in the United States. And so the parents wanted to take him to the United States for this experimental medical treatment um, that was offered and said that he could make full recovery if he took it. And so the parents said, we want to do that. And the hospital said, no, we're not going to let you do that because we don't think it's going to work. And Mm -hmm. so absolutely not. So there were legal battles forever. And since then, um, basically, the boy, well, I'll just read. All right. So guard died on Friday in a hospital uh, in hospice after he was taken off life support. Uh, The court ordered him for him to be taken off life support, which is crazy. Wow. Um, His Parents, Chris Gard. After all, they're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Connie Yates were embroiled in a legal battle <coughs> for months, trying to bring the infant son to the United States for an experimental medical treatment that offered a, sil- a sliver of hope to combat Gard's rare genetic disease. Gard and Yates are expected to register Charlie's death on Monday. Um, and the dad said, "We should be planning Char- Charlie's first birthday, but instead, we're planning his funeral." There. Wow. Obviously, very frustrated. Um, so you know, That's sad. as much as you like universal health care, that who, could, <laughs> not you, but as much <laughs> as whoever, because I understand there's no such thing as free. Yeah, like someone's paying for this. That's right. Right? And it's just you're just you're just moving it around, and and do you really want the people who are paying to have the the say? <laughs> right, and that's what happens. Yeah, it's it's control. Mm-hmm. You well, you know when people—that's why when people in those countries with "quote unquote" free healthcare end up getting some terminal disease like cancer or whatever, the first thing they do is jump on a plane and try to come here, right, to get some real help, right, because it usually doesn't end well. 
And that's all I got, man. It was a it was a very very Slow low week, huh? week for news, but uh, all right, I had something. You uh, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, unless you want to do something else. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> go to sleep. That's what I want to do. I want to rest. You want to go rest? Yeah. yeah, I understand that. All right, let's do it. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret, the Secret Fire, Fire Podcast. Points. I need to actually write that on here. I, you just, do. I just have to add lib it every time. I know. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave many, us Many, many, many ways. Many. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Tweedly deedly deed to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at thefacebook.com slash Theonauts. You remember when it was the Facebook? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. This is like Walmarts. <laughs> if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Thank you to our patrons already. Yes. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. And this man told me, he said, did you know that we have uh, evolved from protozoas? Do you know what a protozoa is? No, I do not. It's a god-dong sea monkey. Say what? Can you imagine that? Looking around at the loved ones, at your mother, at your father, at your beautiful wife, and saying, you're a sea monkey. You belong on the bookshelf of a child that's going to neglect you and watch you swim around for a few days and then end up falling to the bottom of the sea monkey aquarium and turning into dust. Holy ghost power, that's awful. Did you evolve from that, Don?